My name is Chad. For those of you who don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here, and it is an unbelievable honor. It is uh, summer vacation, as many of you know, and I have almost my entire immediate family with us. If you guys would stand, I just want to honor you and say hi. Thank you. You can be seated. So all of the quirks and the rough edges that you don't like about me, you can just go talk to them after the service. They made me, they made me do it. And obviously, uh, shout out to my wife. We are about, well, we, her with me on the side. We're about 30, 30 and a half, 31 weeks or so. So we're on the downslope for our fourth little baby. We're super excited. And my Caleb had his fourth year birthday. So it's just a really good week is what I'm trying to say. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't you wish you had a week like his? <clears throat> well, this morning in the secret place, I was, the, the title of the message is, how's your walk? Come on, somebody. And, and uh, I, I looked up some goofy videos. Has anyone ever seen Olympic speed walking? Come on, let's do it. Stand up. Do it. I mean, I was looking, I was trying to find a really, really, really funny one to show. I had a couple options. I don't know if there's super, I don't know if you'd find them funny, but, but how many know, man, that's not a real sport. <laughs> How's your walk? I was just trying to look up funny walkers. That's the first thing that popped into my head. It actually is a sport. For all of you speed walkers, forgive me. I repent. If you're going to be offended through the rest of the message, please, 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 please forgive me. Uh, I am partially kidding. It's sort of a sport. But no, in all honesty, I watched a two-minute tutorial, in all, in all honesty, and I learned the mechanics of speed walking. And they can walk at a 6.15 minute mile pace. So it's like running. It's faster than all of us could run miles. So it's a real sport. That's settled. So let's get into the word. Well, if you're with us, we have two more weeks in our series through the book of Ephesians. We've kicked it off in Easter. You can go online and listen to all of our podcasts and get caught up. We've had an interesting journey because we've had a lot of guest speakers and people have been in, out of town. And so it's taken a long time to get here, but I'm really excited for the next couple weeks in, ahead of us. If you're new to the whole Christian thing, there are Bibles on your, the seat back. I've got a lot of scriptures on the screen. You can check out the scriptures. But as followers of Jesus, we submit ourselves to the teachings of the Bible. Um, for many, 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 many reasons, but central to all of the reasons is because Jesus Christ did. And Jesus Christ is our King and our Master and our Lord. And He submitted and loved the scriptures. And so do we. Well, I'm not going to try to explain the first five and a half chapters of what we've gone through the last four months. But in these last few chapters, Paul, who is this crazy Jesus missionary church planner, has been challenging the church that now would be located in modern day Turkey to walk a certain way in light of their faith in Jesus Christ. Did you know that faith in Jesus Christ should actually affect the way we live? <laughs> Sorry, that sounds super obvious, maybe a little bit elementary, but how many have known people in their life that speak one thing out of their mouth, but their life bears witness to an entirely different reality? So therefore, in light of our passage, 
Paul, the radical church planting missionary, has challenges to walk in unity. Everyone say unity. That's sort of important. To walk in holiness. Everyone say holiness. Ah, to walk in love. Everyone say love. And then to walk in light. Say light. This fourth challenge for those who adhere to the teachings of Jesus Christ and submit their lives to his lordship in their life, this fourth or this fifth challenge, he's challenging us to walk in the way of wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. And so the scriptures say this, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. Come on, turn to your neighbor. Say he's talking about you. (laughs) Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we all said amen. Amen. So today, how's your walk? How is your walk? The walk of unity, the walk of holiness, the walk of love, and the walk of light. Today, we're adding one little piece, and you can go um, just meditate on this all throughout your week, just through Ephesians 4 and 5. Have you learned to walk in wisdom? Now, wisdom is this. Read it with me. Wisdom is true insight into known facts or insight into the nature of God's plan. To walk in wisdom is to walk in light of what God has spoken, what God has done, what God is currently doing, and what God has promised to do yet ahead of us. Have you ever been with somebody who walks in wisdom, where you just hang out with them and you feel like, man, I'm smarter when I'm with that guy or that girl? I feel that way every day I wake up next to my wife. Did you know that the wisest among us is not the ones who know the most facts, but who know how to submit to the spirit of Jesus in their lives and live in such a way in light of his purpose and plan? This is walking in the way of wisdom. This wisdom that Paul is calling us to embody and to walk in is not just for our individual lives, but it's for our corporate life. Did you know that the church of Jesus Christ has never had a greater opportunity to beam the light of Jesus Christ in an increasingly pluralistic, synchristic culture and society? We have never had a better time to shine the light of Jesus by walking in the way of wisdom together than ever. When people are wondering, man, is there any group on earth that don't just speak a big game but embody a kind of lifestyle together? This is the way of wisdom that we're being invited into. Have you ever heard of this verse? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And here's how I like to say it, that relationship with God, read this with me, relationship with God is the door through which we enter into the world of wisdom. 
the fear of the Lord, a right vision and perspective of who God is, is the door through which we enter. It's called relationship. And once we enter into that door, did you know that we enter into a world of infinite promise, infinite insight and understanding, but the door goes through Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus Christ calls himself the door in John chapter 10. The fear of the Lord, the awe and the right worship and reverence of who God is, that you, he is God and that you and I are not. When we get to that place in humble submission, we enter into the place of a world where wisdom is the very air that we breathe. Not just knowing the right stuff or the right facts, but knowing the right response that a given situation calls for. Relationship is only possible when we walk in the awareness and the acknowledgement of the one whom we are called to be in relationship with. We cannot walk in wisdom without this initial awe and fear and reverence and worship and surrender and a perpetual posture of humble submission and joyful reliance. Come on, how many know that submission gets a bad rap, but it is the way to advancing in the kingdom of God? Submission to who God is, the acknowledgement that he is Lord and we are not. The devil tells us if you submit, your life shrinks, but Jesus Christ tells us if you submit, you'll discover life you can never get on your own. We cannot walk in wisdom, this walk, this lifestyle that is honoring to Jesus, apart from this surrender of our lives to his lordship. Throughout the book of Proverbs, wisdom is often personified or wrapped in images of humanity. It's a person that's standing outside of a gate. How many are thankful that wisdom and God's ways have moved beyond the theory and the you know, just words and one-liners realm, and wisdom has been enfleshed in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the most wise, brilliant, smart person in history. And listen, it's so funny because we think, oh, you know, he's just a common carpenter, and sure he was. But at the end of the day, if wisdom is just a set of beliefs or a body of one-liners or truths that I'm supposed to mentally ascend and agree with. How many know that's a part of wisdom? But because wisdom has been enfolded and engulfed in the person of Jesus, I can't just ignore a body of truths without ignoring the person who calls me to come into relationship. And this walk of wisdom is nothing short of an invitation from God to be in relationship with himself. He's, Jesus Christ, it says in 1 Corinthians 1, 24, Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. Jesus Christ is. Jesus is the, underline the, wisdom of God. He is what? A life perfectly aligned to God's thoughts, God's will, God's agenda, and the one through whom God's purposes can freely flow on the earth through his life. That's the definition of wisdom, a lifestyle that is completely integrated with the person and the plan and the purposes of God. This is what Paul's calling the church of Jesus Christ into, to walk in that kind of wisdom. I love Dallas Willard. He's a brilliant philosopher, recently passed away. He said this, Jesus is not just nice. <laughs> he is what? He's brilliant. He is the smartest man who ever lived. 
I love this. He is now supervising the entire course of world history. <laughs> See that? That's kind of cool. While simultaneously preparing the rest of the universe for our future role in it. He always has the best information on everything. <laughs> and certainly also on the things that matter most in human life. Let us now hear his teaching on who has the good life and on who among us is truly blessed. Jesus did not on his, on, in his ministry and in his life point us to some scripture or to some truth. Jesus perpetually allowed the scriptures to point to himself and his father. Therefore, what this, why is that significant? Because every other world religion is about ascribing to this body of truth or these precepts or these commands or this make the Mecca or make the trip or empty your brain and enter this state of the only, the, the most vibrant, exciting thing about Christianity is Jesus Christ says, no, 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 it's not about a bunch of truths. It's about knowing and cherishing and being in relationship with a person. Jesus Christ did not say chapter and verse is the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And what that, why is that significant? Because he is the way, and how many know if he calls us into relationship with himself to learn the way of wisdom by following his example, he will empower us to take every single step along that way. Who in here wants to live a flourishing, abundant, amazing life? 75% of us, not bad, okay? Jesus Christ is offering us nothing less than if you will follow my way. It may not be easy. In fact, you will have troubles. He just tells us in John 16, 33. But if we follow the way of Jesus Christ, the way of wisdom, we walk in the fear and the awe and the reverence of God. We allow him to reign and rule on the throne of our hearts. Guys, I'm telling you, by following him, we will discover the way of flourishing and blessing and abundance. The Apostle Paul, he planted a bunch of churches, this church-planting missionary crazy man. He also, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote 13 books of our New Testament. That's a lot of books. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, that's not a bad day to get to write 13 books in the New Testament. But look at what Paul, the church planter, he can summarize all of his teachings, all of his three plus missionary journeys all over the known world in prisons and shipwrecks. He can summarize his entire message with this verse. He, Jesus Christ, is the one that we proclaim. Look at this. Admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. Why? So that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, he says, I strenuously contend with all of the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. He goes on, my goal is that they, the church, may be encouraged, everyone say encouraged, in heart and united in love so that you may have the full riches of complete understanding. And here he crescendos. In order that we may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. Read this last part with me. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. 
Did you know that if you ascribe and submit to the teachings and the the person and work of Jesus Christ, you are invited into a discovery adventure into the treasure chest of Jesus to discover all of God's wisdom and revelation and insight and knowledge so that you and I will know how to live that brings glory to God, that produces vibrant joy and life in our lives and fruit and blessing for those in our lives. This is the way of wisdom, the way of flourishing. Beloved, we are in a desperate time to become a people who take seriously God's call to walk in a manner worthy of our calling in Jesus. This call to walk in wisdom is nothing short of walking in a relationship with Jesus, the one who is the wisdom of God. I love James. He's Jesus' brother. He writes this, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life done. Look at this. In the humility, fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord to the beginning of wisdom. Let them show their good life by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. How many know that if someone's spouting off that they're super wise, but they're the most arrogant, proud person, you could probably just say, hey, dude, you're drinking from the wrong well. Because right worship and submission to God doesn't make us puffed up. It makes us sons and daughters who are willing to go low to lift up those around us. Because the deeds that humility produces are good deeds that flow from wisdom, which flows from relationship with the God of infinite wisdom, knowledge, and insight. And he says this, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. Did you know that there are plenty of people out there who are not walking in wisdom? Raise your hand if you know anybody. Raise your hand if you sometimes venture down that path of (laughs) non-wisdom. I'm the only honest one. That's fine. And here's the deal. You cannot embrace Paul's challenge and Jesus' challenge to walk in wisdom if you are selfish. Come on, someone say, selfish people are not wise people. Because selfish people believe that the world revolves around them. And I'm here to tell you the good news of the gospel is the world revolves around him, Jesus Christ. And that's why the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, the confession that he is Lord of heaven and earth and my life. And until, until you and I, until you and I submit to this fact, we dethrone ourselves, is what the Bible calls repentance, and acknowledge his way is right and true. Beloved, we will never experience the flourishing, the abundance, and the blessing that Jesus Christ died, rose, and ascended and poured out so we could experience. Vision, the vision of, a, of, of wisdom is the vision of a life soaked with God's presence and purpose and love. You cannot have wisdom and harbor bitter envy and selfishness in your hearts. Come on, how many, how many have ever tripped over that little, God, I want wisdom, but I want it my way. I want, I want blessing. I want a life that's full of purpose and meaning. But as long as I can call, call, call the shots. Come on, such wisdom doesn't come from heaven. It comes from the devil. Remember when Peter told Jesus he didn't have to go to the cross? What did Jesus call Peter? Someone help me out. It's in Matthew 16. Get behind me. 
You know why? In the very next verse in Matthew 16, here's, here's, here's the fruit of satanic or demonic thought. Because you have in mind the things of man, not the things of God. So every time the enemy influences you and I to think thoughts that revolve around us instead of revolving around him, we are not influenced by the Holy Spirit. Because the wisdom that flows from God, he goes on to say, is first of all, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, it's, it's there, I promise, full of mercy and good fruit. Look at this fruit. Who wants this fruit growing in your life? That wouldn't be bad. Peace-loving, pure, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial or non-judgmental, and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Beloved, the way of wisdom that Jesus Christ embodied and then calls us into is the way of submission to him and the discovery of all that is pure, peace-loving, considerate. Jesus wants this reality to permeate our lives. Who does not want to live a life like this? Who in this room, on your best day when you're thinking right, wouldn't say, Chatty, of course I want those kinds of fruits flowing through my life, in my marriage, in my sons and daughters, at home, in my friendships, at the workplace. Beloved, those fruits can begin to grow, but it's the way of wisdom from which they grow from. Back to Ephesians 5. We're doing great. Paul goes on to say, be very careful. Everyone say careful. Be careful then. How you live or walk is the Greek, peripateo. Remember, how you, how's your walk? Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of how, how many opportunities? Come on, somebody help me. I'm not that good at reading. How many opportunities? Every opportunities. Be, why? Because the days are evil. Now, Paul did not have a bad piece of toast and stale sardines from the Sea of the Mediterranean. I've had them, but... He wasn't writing this because he was a big grumpy. He wrote this out of a place of intensity that how many know we have thousands of opportunities, not just in our lifetime, but every single day to choose to walk in a way of wisdom, of submission to him, of constant dialogue and relationship with him. And Paul's saying, what if you and I begin to increasingly use all of those opportunities as a means to his end? to save and to seek to restore broken humanity to himself through Jesus Christ. What if you and I increasingly begin to use every single opportunity, not, not taking the setbacks and getting grumpy, but as Samuel says, what if our setbacks were really set ups where Jesus Christ could get glory from our life? We are called to walk wisely, not occasionally, not on a one-off day, Jesus is calling us to walk as wise people every single day. He's calling us to walk in his insight and what he thinks. How many know it is really hard to cultivate wisdom on the go? Right, Paul? It's hard. How many know that wisdom flows, wisdom flows from a person, Jesus, and the only way to grow in insight and wisdom is by spending time with Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, I knew he was going to tell us to do that. Yeah. To spend time with him. To learn his ways. To submit. How do I know what his ways are if I've never read his ways? 
How do I know the example he's calling me to follow if I've never seen his example? Jesus wants us to make the most of every single opportunity to walk in wisdom and to bring him glory. Because, why? Because the days are evil. What does this mean? Well, as you were dead in your transgressions and sins, it says in Ephesians chapter two, that there is a spirit that is at work in the hearts of those who are disobedient. Did you know that people aren't just innocent bystanders to their whims and wishes, that there is an actual enemy called the devil who is bent on killing, stealing, and destroying that which Jesus Christ has created to be in relationship with himself. I'm not not a demon under every rock guy. I don't like talking about the devil more than I like talking about Jesus. But did you know that the days are evil? Did you know that people are influenced all the time to choose not wisdom, to live as foolish people, not bringing glory to God, not, not furthering the fruit of a life properly oriented to Jesus, but how many know we live in days that are evil, where we hurt each other, we destroy each other, we gossip, we slander, we backbite, we are bitter, and where bitterness grows, James told us earlier, where there's bitterness and selfishness, every evil practice is growing with it. How many know choosing wisdom isn't just something, well, I sure hope I get around to choosing it. If you're not choosing wisdom, you're living foolishly. And if you're living foolishly, James already told us, out of foolishness grows every vile and evil practice. Now, you may not think you're an evil or vile person, but what you think is different than the reality of your life apart from submission to Jesus. You can think all day long, I'm a decent person. But Jesus said, from the overflow of the heart, your mouth will speak, your deeds and your actions and your attitudes flow from the reality of who you are on the inside. And Jesus wants in. And he wants to inform and infuse your life with his life and his Holy Spirit. There is a spirit at work who is absolutely opposed to friendships being mended, to marriages being restored, to sons and daughters running home, to fathers and mothers with arms wide open. There is an enemy with an agenda and the days are evil, but how many know Jesus Christ also said that today is the day of salvation. And this is why Paul says you have to make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. If you have eyes to see and you're submitted to the way of wisdom, you'll be able to see that I'm breathing salvation on a situation, but you got to be looking to me in the situation. How many know that so many people hang their lives are hanging on a thread? How many have been there? I'm hanging on by a thread. I don't know which way is up. I don't know which way to go. How many have lived there? You've lived that, man, at the drop of a hat, this, this thing could take one direction or the other. And Jesus wants his church to be ready in those moments to speak truth-filled, loving words that draw people to himself and life, not further away into the darkness. This is why Papa, the Apostle Paul, he's saying every opportunity matters. Every, say that every opportunity matters. This is why all of the apostles, all these radical Jesus freaks who all got killed except for one of them, almost, all of the early disciples who planted churches all over the world, this is why all of them viewed suffering as a joy and a privilege. The only ones who could do that are those who have chosen the way of wisdom, who realize God's plans will not be thwarted, his purposes will prevail no matter what they face. 
those who choose to walk in the way of wisdom, God's spirit enables them to see things that others do not see. How many know kingdom and Jesus' wisdom is not just conventional wisdom? Just read the gospels. Over and over again, Paul, shipwrecked, beaten, left for dead, stoned, not that kind of stoned. Come on. But yet every single time he was imprisoned, in fact, it's, it's actually writing to the church in Ephesian, Ephesus, this book that this book we're reading, writing back to them, he says, guys, I know that the Holy Spirit tells me that difficulties, imprisonments, and they face me every time I go to a city to plant a new church. But guess what? My life is worth nothing to me for my own purposes. I've been bought by him. And every moment now, every moment now serves as an opportunity to bring Jesus glory. And so he goes on to say, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. I am convinced that the vast majority of humanity, including many of us in the church, live foolishly. Now, before you throw apples and tomatoes at me, or whatever you've got in your purse or your wallet, let me define foolishness for a minute. If I'm not supposed to be it, how many know it? Probably be good to know what I'm not supposed to be. The fool says in his heart that there is no God. I'm going to stop there because we're short on time. So when I'm walking in foolishness, I'm living as if God does not exist. How many now would say sometimes I dabble in foolishness? Come on. (laughs) Living without checking in on what he thinks living for my own purposes and glory, living out of my own resources and strength on my own whims and flesh and wishes and desires, that is the definition of foolishness. The fool says in their heart that you don't have to say it out loud, oh, I don't believe God exists today. You just have to live. You can be a confessional Christian, but how many of us are operational atheists? I'm not grumpy. I'm not mad. I'm so happy. My family's here. But I'm here to tell you the way of wisdom is not just a way that we confess, it's a way that we actively pursue at all costs so that we can live as Jesus Christ lived. It's the way of wisdom, the way of wisdom, his way. So he's saying, don't be foolish. Don't confess all of these things that are true about you, but then when the going gets tough, you first look in or you go to your bank account or you go to your own resources. You've got yourself in the mess. You've got to get yourself out. How about you and I just develop the most wise trigger response ever? What do you think? I don't know how I got in here. I can't get out. I'm a, Jesus, I submit to your ways. And how many know wisdom is not just what you do when you're, you know, in trouble. Wisdom is a preventative measure. (laughs) Did you know God actually made it that way on purpose? If you walk in my way, there are a whole lot of things you will avoid because I'm a good God. That doesn't mean you won't have trouble. Are you kidding me? But it just means how many know most of our messes are our own creating? The way of wisdom is an invitation to participate in the God of all creation. It's impossible to walk confidently of God's will for your life 
and avoid foolishness if you've not yet fully offered yourself to God. Let me say that one more time. It's impossible to walk confident. How many want to walk confidently? Come on, I do. I am like a, I mean, I spend so much time, God, what is your, well, I just, should I go this way or that? Guys, how many know he wants us to walk confidently of his will? How many have ever heard, like, when you hear the will of God in this language of what is God's will, how many immediately think it's like this thing that God is like holding out, it's in a secret tap door in heaven that I have to access through 45 million hours of prayer or Bible study, in some way I'll tap into God's will. Who's ever viewed God's will that way? I have. Okay, there's like this mystery. Okay, I'm not going to shout because I almost did. How many know God wants us living in light of what his will is? I mean, I'm a total imperfect father, way down on the totem pole. My heart's to get better. But I am not holding back what my intentions are for my sons and for my daughter. Like, I sure hope you figure out how much I love you and my plan and purpose for your life. I'm imperfect. Jesus calls me, calls fathers that aren't like heavenly father evil. I mean, he he was being politically correct, of course, but... If you, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So the only way to walk confidently of God's will for your life is to fully offer yourself to God. Period. It is foolish to hold back. It is infinitely wise to dive into the endless ocean of His love, grace, and mercy that is found and experienced through Jesus. Acknowledge God and his ways by pursuing them and you will have true insight and understanding. Hurry up. This is the good part. (sighs) This just seems weird. Don't be foolish. Be wise. Choose the way of wisdom. Walk in a manner worthy of your calling. And then he talks about getting drunk. (laughs) Which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the spirit. Interesting, correct? Correct? But how many know wisdom, if you really are choosing to walk in the way of wisdom, it will have an influence on every part of your life if you're submitted to the relationship with Jesus. How many of you, don't don't raise your hand. I was going to ask how many have been drunk. Not going to ask, not in the notes. It's not in the notes. (laughs) Paul is not bashing wine per se. He's bashing wine in excess. Did you know that almost everything that is sin is something that in and of itself is not good or bad, read 1 Timothy 4, but when taken in excess leads to places you don't want to go. Can I get an amen? amen. So he's saying, if in order to walk in the way of wisdom, you cannot afford to in excess ingest anything that influences your vision, your hearing, or your thinking, or your moving, or you will inevitably choose a way that is foolish, therefore a way that is to your demise, detriment, and destruction. And so he's saying, don't be foolish, don't get drunk, don't come under the influence of something other than the one who died to give you true life, but come under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Wine in excess leads to a lifestyle of no restraints, of wild, frivolous behavior. This is how we used to live. Someone say, I'm thankful for the past tense. Come on, somebody. This is how we used to live. But Paul is saying to walk in the way of wisdom, you're going to need to be under the influence of something else, the influence of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that over and over again, Paul calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of wisdom? 
The spirit of wisdom. Did you know that it's not about climbing some mountain and ascending some mental thing? Walking in wisdom is walking in a vibrant relationship with Jesus through this Holy Spirit. That we can walk in the way of God. We're not left to just figuring it out. I hope I can learn enough wisdom. We submit to a person, Jesus, and Jesus fills us with his spirit. Now here's what's gnarly, and I'm done. This is, I'm landing the plane, baby. To be filled, this is what one expository way smarter than me says. The idea of being filled can, can communicate the idea of a person completely controlled and stamped by the power which fills them. The point is that walking by the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit means that the Spirit of God is directing, in charge, fear of the Lord, beginning of wisdom, and empowering a son or a daughter to live a life that is pleasing and honoring to God. And then here's what it's really gnarly, the last really, the last really big point. Did you know that when you confess Jesus Christ is Lord, you repent, you turn from your sins, you say, Jesus, you're Lord, I'm not. My sins are a mess, but your grace is bigger and stronger, so I want you to save my life. Did you know the moment you mean that in truth, that Jesus Christ comes into your life and begins to take up residence? Come on, someone should have said amen to that. He fills you with his spirit. Man, if you view Christianity as just that which you're giving up, you're missing the whole other massive, bigger part. He fills you with himself. Yay. But in the original language, Greek, in this passage, this idea of being filled with the Spirit, it is not talking about that initial filling when you said, Jesus, you're Lord, I'm not, I repent, forgive me, come into my life, fill me. He fills us. This is in the imperative, ongoing, present tense, which means we will not automatically stay full of the Spirit. We've got to be submitted and in relationship in order to walk in the power of the Spirit. Let me break that down just for one second. In other words, so many of us, we pray the prayer, get out of hell free card, because he's so merciful, he he answers us, he gives us mercy and grace, and then we just pursue our own lifestyle, we don't cultivate a habit of being in vibrant relationship, connection with Jesus, and so when when a situation calls for wisdom, or heavenly downloads, or insight, or understanding, there is nothing from which we are drawing, because this be filled demands a current, up-to-date testimony that he is Lord, I'm not. This be filled is not what happened 25 years ago. It's, hey, are you full of him now? It's not I prayed a prayer and now I'm just, I'm good. I'm cruise control. No, how many know we can't afford to cruise, control anything in our faith in Jesus Christ? He wants us in an up-to-date posture of God, fill me. Come on, somebody. God, fill me. I don't want to be under the influence of anyone or anything. I want you to restrain those desires. Those are dead and buried with Jesus. I want to be present to your infilling and empowering present today. Because how many know, if I'm to make the most of every opportunity, that means there's a whole lot of opportunities that are coming that apart from him being filling, filling me, I'm not going to have what it takes to take that opportunity and turn it to glory to God. Be filled is in the imperative. It's not an automatic bestowment. God is calling us to perpetually, continually, every day, all throughout the day. Holy Spirit, fill me. I want to be under your influence. (laughs) Listen, this is not automatic. How many know you and I do not accidentally 
trip out of bed and live a spirit-filled, infused lifestyle. Come on, how many wish? But your wishes must submit to the wisdom of God. Why would God want to give us access to something that did not require ongoing relationship? Be filled. In other words, never allow anything to get in between the connection of you and me. Don't allow anything in that will influence your posture as a son and a daughter, fear of the Lord, the beginning of wisdom, so that my power, my purpose, my plan can crash into your life and flow through your life to those around you, but you've got to keep on being filled. It's as simple as this. How many know what goes in comes out? Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, what goes in comes out. So being filled with the Spirit means... If all I'm filling my life with comes under the big icky list of a life lived by the flesh, not the spirit, sexual immorality, impurity, greed, lust, detestable idolatry, malice, anger, rage, bitterness, slander. If my life is filled with those, it's probably a good indicator that my life's probably not filled with the Holy Spirit whose fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, generous, self-control. And Jesus, the way of wisdom is the way of the Holy Spirit. And he wants his people, he wants his church not to be a one and done, pray to prayer, been there, done that, but who live their entire life personally and corporately. Holy Spirit, come and fill us. We want to walk in the way of wisdom. And then he gives us such a simple tool. How do you be filled? How do you stay filled? Go to church. Come on, somebody. Church gets a bad rap. But look what he tells them after don't get drunk and then get filled. And he's saying, here are four ways you can stay perpetually full, not just on your individual life. How many know there's no sidetracking? God wants to know us personally, intimately, individually. But how many know there is something that when we get together corporately, that if we're submitted and in tune with God's spirit, there are things he wants to do in this gathering that he will not do with just you and Jesus. He's saying, here, if you're filled with the spirit, here's the natural outflow of your life. You'll begin to speak to one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. So you'll sing and make music from your heart, giving joy and joy heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Being drunk with wine leads to self-indulgence, but being filled with the Spirit leads to joy in fellowship and obedience to God's will. So here's evidence that you're filled with the Spirit. You've got joy welling up. Come on, how many want joy to well up? You've got life. You've got peace. That when you're squeezed or when life jabs at you, what comes out is this, I'm just thankful to be in the room with him. I'm just thankful to know him. I'm just thankful that he didn't call me by my sins, but he called me by my name. This is the the walk of wisdom. He wants us to be like old faithful, only not every 58 minutes, but every time, every moment, every opportunity. Remember, be wise. How many times? All the time. So that when you get squeezed, what comes out is gratitude, thanksgiving. I can't believe he loves me and knows me and wants me and he's died to ransom me and to claim me as his own for all eternity. He wants to be mine and I can be his. 
and through psalms and hymns and songs of the Spirit, spontaneous. How many, how many just have a song that wells up when you're driving, and then that person sees you at the stoplight and you stop singing? I'm the only one. Only I don't stop singing. Come on. What goes in you is what's going to come out of you. How's your walk this morning? Are you walking in wisdom? Are you walking in the lifestyle that is honoring and pleasing to God? Because, beloved, you can if you'll submit to the empowering presence and lordship of Jesus. And then you take seriously his invitation to become a lifelong learner and student of him. (laughs) I forgot, where is all wisdom and knowledge hidden? The treasure of Jesus Christ, Colossians 2, 3. I'll close with this story. The Old Testament is filled with amazing stories that illustrate current truth. And there's a story of Elisha. He's a prophet. And he's staying at a widow's house. Who's heard the story in 2 Kings 4? I'm not going to preach the whole story. Good grief. But this widow is in a desperate place. Come on, how many are in a place where you're desperate? I need God to fill me, Chad. You don't understand. I need wisdom. And this unbelievable story, this widow, the the prophet says, okay, you need money. Here's what we're going to do. Get all of your empty jars and ask all of your friends, all of your neighbors for all of their empty jars. I'm going to start pouring this. She had a little bit of oil left in her cupboard. But if you go gather all of these vessels and you bring them into the house, come on, somebody. You bring them to where the oil is flowing. You can take those jars that you collect and sell them and you'll have enough for you and your household. So it says this. She goes outside. She shuts the door. She pours oil into the jars and each of them is filled. Come on, someone say, each is filled. And she put one to the side and then grabbed the other and poured it up and blah, 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 blah. All the jars, she just kept pouring. Someone say, he just keeps on pouring. When all the jars jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he said, there is no more jar left. Verse six. Then the oil stopped flowing. Chad, how do I be filled with God's spirit? How do I live a lifestyle of being perpetually filled with God's spirit, the spirit of wisdom, so I can walk in a manner worthy of God and experience life as it's meant to be experienced in Jesus? Just never say there's no more jars. Keep offering yourself. The moment you say, I'm good, I've punched my ticket, I'm out of here, or I've got this, Jesus, is the moment the oil stops flowing. It's a simple story in the Old Testament. As soon as the son said, mama, there's no more, the oil stopped. How many would say today, Chad, I never want to adopt a confession or a lifestyle that says, God, I'm good, no more, I'm fine. How many would say, Chaddy, even if I got to travel to find a jar, I am going to continually offer all that I am to him so that he can perpetually pour himself into my life. And then through my life. Stand up with me. Wow. We are called to walk in the way of wisdom. 
Be very careful then, listen to these words again, let them wash over you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And right now, maybe just say, God, I want you to fill me today. I have been under the influence, maybe of wine or a substance, but I've been under the influence of news or the media or the movie or my lust or my flesh. Right now across this room, can we just come under the lordship of Jesus Christ? Say, Jesus, I submit to you. The way of wisdom is through the door of submitted relationship to Jesus Christ. Maybe you have bitterness. Remember what James said in chapter three. Wherever there's bitterness or selfishness, there's every evil practice. Say, Jesus, I want you to deal with my bitterness today. Begin a new chapter, Lord, by your grace and your love. And then maybe you just haven't asked the Father, Father, I need you to fill me again and then again and then again and then again. And just say, Father, fill me with your spirit the spirit of wisdom, revelation, so I can live life to the full. Holy Spirit, just minister to every person in this room right now. We come out of foolishness The fool says in their heart that there's no God. We come out of a lifestyle that confesses one thing and lives another. We want to live as if you're you're really God (laughs) in constant relationship. Lord, right now in this room, if there are people who, man, I don't even know anything about wisdom. I I never even opened a Bible. Lord, I pray right now you give them courage to come talk to one of us up front and we could start a journey of cultivating a lifestyle of wisdom together. And I just thank you today. Your word says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. So Lord, pour out wisdom. Whether there's wisdom needed for jobs or living situations or relationships, God of glory, pour out the spirit of wisdom, insight, and understanding upon your church today. That all of us would be like an amazing symphony playing the same tune in our own instrument. But together, it releases a sound in our city that is irresistible and that lifts up Jesus Christ. We pray this in your name, God. Amen.